welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. Hope everyone's having an amazing day. I know it's been a minute since I've done a pod, but uh, yeah, yeah, pray for your boy. I've been dealing with some mental and spiritual attacks, but hey, we're back. That's all that matters. Back and black and better than ever. Back, black, bald, and better than ever. All right, Jesus feeds 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed the now the New Living Translation on BibleGateway.com. Shout out to Bible Gateway. Another great resource. Great resource. Jesus feeds 5,000. After this, yeah, this is John chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. Hold on a second. After this. What happened in last? Okay, he healed a lame man and and then the Pharisee, he claimed to be God. Pharisees got upset. Okay, okay. Alright, boom. Alright, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we, I love how Jesus will ask questions that he already knew the answer to. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men all alone numbered about 5,000. That's just the men. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this mirac- when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Man, this that just shows you the power. So many things here, the power of God's economy. You know, you got the crypto markets out here, you got the stock markets out here, and they'll fail you. You can lose all your money. Even if you put in your bank money in the bank, somebody could come along. And uh, somebody could come along and, and, and hack into your account, steal all your money, right? Hack your debit card or whatever. But in God's economy, whenever we sow into God's kingdom, not just financially, with our tithes and our offering, which we should, we should be doing, um, not just out of obligation, not because the word says we should, but also just out of our hearts. Our giving is a test of our hearts. But every time we sow into God's kingdom where we share seeds or we pray for somebody or encourage somebody. I had a lady in my car the other day 
who basically she told me her pa- her dad was a black. I mean, her dad was a Baptist minister, <laughs> uh, not a black Baptist minister. This is a white woman. Yeah, her dad was a black. <laughs> her dad was a Baptist minister. <laughs> I'm getting to my point, though. She told me that she was the black sheep of the family. And I told her, I was like, you already know this, you, you know, growing up in a Christian home. You know, it says you leave the 99 to leave, to go after the one. And um, anyway, we had a very interesting conversation. She told me she played the trumpet growing up. I used to, I played the trumpet. I had classical music on. She was telling me how much she loved classical music because her dad put it on the classical music. Her dad has since passed. But it was totally, I'm telling you, a lot of the encounters I have with people when I'm out here doing Uber are just, yeah, it's not even me. It's like God sets up these perfect fastballs that go 80 miles per hour right down the center of the plate, and I just hit it out of the park every time. And it's it's totally not me. And um, yeah, it was just she she had a lot going on, and I won't go. I won't share more of her personal stuff, but um, she may listen to this podcast at some point. But yeah, yeah, it was a very interesting conversation I had with her. So, where was I going with all that? Yes, seeds, multiplication. So, that woman, who knows where it's going to go from there? You know, she has a as a son and a grandbaby that she just had, and and um, she, who knows, my conversation with her might spark. I'm not not might. I'm believing will spark uh, something in her that will cause her to be on fire for God and remember all the things that her dad taught her. And rededicate her life to Jesus. And then her grandson and her son are going to be on fire for God. And then they're going to spread the gospel to 10 other people, 20 other people, thousands of they could. Her grandson could be the next Billy Graham. So that's the power of multiplication. Uh, these, I believe, when I read this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, go look up. Uh, I encourage y'all to look up the imagery in here or the symbolism of like the 5,000. Five is the number of grace. We've talked about that before. Um, yeah, it started out with five pieces of bread and there was like 12 baskets left over. There's a lot of, it's not insignificant that he chose to use five, turning into 5,000 and then 12 baskets left over. It is this scripture right here actually to me i would compare it a lot to the scripture that talks about how the the harvest is plenty but the workers are few um this is kind of like when i look at this i look over as i could my theology could be wrong about that but this right here is like a foreshadowing or a really good parallel scripture to that in this and from a spiritual sense it's it's not so much about the food the fact that he fed all these people and did this miracle it's about all the thousands and millions and billions of people that are being ushered into God's kingdom, not just in the past, but currently. All right. Jesus walks on water. Verse 16. Now that evening, Jesus' Jesus's disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, 
don't be afraid, I'm here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately immediately they arrived at their destination. See, I didn't I haven't I didn't catch that. I feel like I've noticed that before, but just now I just I haven't I just not caught that. Two things. First of all, I like to think that Jesus kind of showed out a little bit when he was walking on the water. He wasn't just he did a little dance, he did a little electric slide, did a little moonwalk before he got in the boat. He's like, hey, like <laughs> it's me. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting too that they don't talk about Peter, him trying to step out and walk on the water too. That's not mentioned here. And then the biggest thing though, it says and immediately they arrived at their destination. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. Does that mean like somehow God turned the boat into warp speed or they were able to teleport immediately to where they were trying to go? Wouldn't put it past Jesus. All right. Jesus, the bread of life. The next day, the crowd that had sometimes there's things that are just mentioned in the Bible with words. And I don't think words could fully describe what happened. Um, it's just like me trying to tell you that LeBron scored, what, 40 something points last night. But unless you saw the game, like, and I could tell you different things that he did, how many rebounds and steals and blocks he had, but, or even better, Kobe's 81 point game. It's not enough to just me tell you, yeah, Kobe scored 81 points. You know, he has so many threes, so many steals, so many blocks. And, you know, uh, Jalen Rose is guarding him. That's not enough. You have to actually watch the game to get the full magnitude of what, took place and i look forward to hopefully in heaven seeing like these little video reels you think the reels here on earth are cool what do you see the jesus reels highlights i want to see jesus highlight tape for him walking on water that'd be dope uh, and him feeding the five thousand. all right jesus the bread of life the next c yes we that's the other thing i was going to say jesus that whole um Jesus turning the five lows into 5,000 is also was a foreshadowing to Jesus saying that I'm the bread of life. I'm like this bread. Like soon y'all going to be able to, yeah, when we take communion and all that, it's like a representation of us eating Jesus's body and drinking his blood. And some people think that's really weird. Yeah. And it's hard for people to understand the symbolism of it all. But, even right now, as I'm reading God's word in Jesus's spirit, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So as you, when you never, you read, read the Bible, that's why it's so important to try to read it as much as you can and listen to it and study it and meditate on it. Because the more you eat it in that one scripture, when Jesus says, um, yeah, I think it's in John. Yeah, we read it in John four and the disciples told Jesus to eat. He says, I have a food that you all don't know of. My food is to do the will of the Father. Man, so much stuff going on here. But the main thing I'm trying to say that we're going to get here when we read, start reading Jesus, the bread of life. As we're reading God's word, meditating on his word, chewing the Bible, it's like, just like we depend on earthly food to nourish our bodies. This kind of food nurses our spirit, man. 
That's why it's so important every single day to spend time God's word. God's word. And I've reached a point. I'm starting to reach a point where I'm realizing it's not enough for just me to have my little devotion on my phone in the morning, you know, on the Bible app or there's another and not out of religious duty. It's like there's another level that the Lord wants to take me to. And that's going to require me slowing down and spending more time in God's word and allowing it to actually nourish my body. Just like most, a lot of us eat three times a day, some of us two times a day, three times a day, some of us snack throughout the, all the day. However you get your nourishment, it's important to, same thing with the word of God. Uh, yeah, if you can, try to spend time in his word first thing in the morning, at lunch break or throughout the day. If you have the type of job like where you can have the Bible just playing or have some worship music playing, and then at nighttime with some uh reading the word some more and then it, even while you're sleeping put on some scripture lullabies or, or some kind of somebody reading the bible so they're just going into your spirit man i need to actually go back to that something i used to do i used to actually have the bible playing while i was sleeping sometimes i wake up and it'd be on like revelation and kind of creep me out all right jesus the bread of life verse 22 the next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized jesus had not gone with them Hmm. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed. Huh, so I'm going to grab my shades. I've been wearing shades lately because it helps with the brightness of the, t- of the computer screen. Plus, I look way cooler on camera. <laughs> All right, where was I? Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. That is, oh man, there's so much there to unpack. But it's one thing, the biggest thing I've been learning as I'm the longer I walk with God, it's one thing to seek Jesus's hand and all the thing and, and, and follow God and go to church and go through all the spiritual, you know, motions because of what God can give you or just get punch your ticket in heaven. And it's another thing to actually seek the kingdom of God to seek a relationship with him. And that's another thing too, at least for me personally, It says, yes, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is the key to the kingdom. Before even before even your church attendance and your church volunteerism and all the things that you might do at your church, a relationship with Jesus Christ, I've learned, is the first step. And they could not they say yeah you want to be with me because i fed you because i did this this cool miracle but he's like you don't understand that ultimately i'm better 
he basically what he probably wanted to say is I'm just kind of putting word yeah just guessing what another way God wanted to if he really wanted to say what he wanted to say is like this is my Aaron Yancey's interpretation is like hey I'm better than that bread I'm better than those church's chicken biscuits <laughs> I'm better than these sister Schubert rolls eat from me and you'll never be hungry again just like he said in yeah it's crazy it's interesting interesting this comes after john chapter four when he just told that woman at the well drink from me and you'll never be thirsty again and here now he's talking about wow it's powerful anyway all right verse 28 they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Wow, interesting. Basically, almost when I read that, they like they want to have the same power as 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 Jesus did. They were like, how can we perform these cool tricks too? Like using it to our advantage. Like that's another thing, that's another trap of Christianity sometimes. It's just like I want to do some cool stuff, heal some folks and perform miracles and see yeah whatever it is yeah all the cool stuff you know random checks coming in your mailbox or whatever you know that's not just that's not what it's all about here we go verse 29 jesus told them this is the only word god wants from you believe in the one he has sent that is so powerful that is so powerful somebody needed to hear that I needed to hear that again. This is the only work God wants from you to believe in the one he has sent. I need to, I wish I had other interpretations of, or translations of what that word believe. Let's do it real fast. John chapter six, because I want to see what other words they have. John six. I like to go to Bible Hub for this kind of stuff. John verse 6, and we're looking at verse 29. Let's see what it says on Bible Hub. Is it there? There we go, Bible Hub. All right, and NIV says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Uh, let's see. All of them say believe. They all say believe. They all say believe. All right. Amplified says, Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe, adhere to, trust in. That's what I was looking. I was looking off some other words. Adhere to, trust in, rely on, have faith in the one whom he has sent. I'm going to say it again. Adhere to trust in rely on and have faith in the one whom he has sent now many people that's why that that's why i wanted to give some context because it's not just enough to believe in jesus because even demons believe that he exists that word belief entails so much more it means to adhere to or i mean like cling to jesus to trust in him rely on him and have faith in him Man, this I could talk in this year. 
every other translation says believe, 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 believe. Hmm. It's like he didn't. You notice that he didn't say like, yeah, yeah. I want you to do cool miracles like me. Even though later on he's gonna say y'all gonna do greater works than even what I've done, which is still hard for me to like wrap my head around. Um, Cause I've done some cool stuff as a Christian, but nothing compared to feeding five thousand people and yeah, walking on water and healing folks. At least as far as I know of. Um, All right, let's keep going. I'm going to read this one more time. Jesus told them, this is the only word God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. The answer, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Mm, Let's see what Jesus has to say. Verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Mm, powerful. So I'm the true bread. You think that was cool? Wow. I never thought of that. Yes. The manna from heaven was a foreshadowing of Jesus when he would send Man, and my pastor was just talking today or on Sunday about there's going to be angel. There's the scripture talks about angels and things from the kingdom of God descending and then ascending from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven in these latter days. All right, wow. That's why you always got to read the entire Bible from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, because the Old Testament is just a foreshadowing to Jesus. It is the whole book is about Jesus. And Jesus is like, you thought that manna was cool. I am. I am the manna. I'm here now. I'm better than that stuff. That stuff didn't taste that good anyway. All right. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Mm, Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. (laughs) Verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of, I wonder who the main person was that was saying all this stuff. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, but you haven't believed me in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. I encourage y'all, anybody who feels like a black sheep or feels like a prodigal son or feels like, yeah, they've lost their salvation, go to this verse right here. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I've come down, yes, God will never reject you. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me. 
but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I'll raise them up at the last day. I honestly feel like there's so much there. Some thoughts I just have is um, I feel like there's a grace, especially for our generation, because unless you're special, I don't know. I've never seen Jesus face to face in the flesh. I mean, there's been people on TV who claim to be Jesus. There's been movies and shows that depict Jesus, but I've never actually seen Jesus. I feel like I've experienced him and just things that just totally were unexplainable. It had to be him. And I've sensed his presence. And honestly, I feel like personally, there's an even greater grace for this because these people saw him. They actually saw his miracles walking amongst them. But I haven't seen him. So I feel like there's a ton of grace, especially for even the most stubborn, bullheaded, rebellious person out there, biggest sinner, thief, murderer. There's hope. I love this. And once again, this is a parallel scripture to John chapter four. Go read the woman at the well and then read in your Bibles. I encourage y'all to write right next to John chapter four. I'm sure there's some subtext, those little subscript parallel scriptures, but take a little pen. It's okay to write in your Bible, but this, this helps me like study the Bible something I do. I'm not a big fan of like trying to tell people how to study the Bible or, give people 10 tips on how to say I, my biggest thing is just read it and then you come up with your own way to study it and make it your own um, yeah so do, 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 do. yes so go to John chapter 4 where it talks about the woman at the well and then write John chapter 6 verse 35 right in the margins of it Verse 41, then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up as it is written in the scriptures. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the father. Only I, who who was sent from God, have seen him. Now that part is confusing because what about the transfiguration? I guess up until that point, no one has seen God. But, yeah. I don't know. I think we're going to get to the transfiguration here in a little bit. Because even then, I don't think they fully saw the face of God. They were kind of like, it was too bright. But once again, this is a scripture that rebuts all the people that talk about that you can lose your salvation because it's not up to us. It's not up to us. Our salvation is not up to us. It's up to God. He's the one who does the saving. And it's a free gift so that no one can boast. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, it's a free gift. And it says, and this goes pretty deep to the whole predestination. Like, why does it seem like some people are predestined to heaven and other people's predestined to hell? How does God know who's going to accept him and who's not? Once again, that's one of them questions where I'm like, thank God I'm not God. Thank God I'm not the one who makes the decisions on that. Just, just my encouragement to you is when he prompts you, when he draws you, because there's a, there's a drawing that happens with like this nagging presence of God telling like where you can't even, you can't go to the same places you used to go, hang out with the same people you used to hang out. It's hard for you to even talk the way you used to talk. And it's the Holy Spirit drawing you to a closer relationship with God. And you might have a few bumps along the way. You might, in your process of being drawn, you might experience some weird cultist type stuff and some weird, like, all types of religions out there as you're being drawn. There's some stuff, yeah, what is the Mormons and some of the Jehovah's Witnesses before you, like, experience, like, the one true and only Jesus Christ. And then when you experience him and you you feel that closeness and that intimacy um, and you spend time in God's word, it sort of helps you decipher truth versus error. Yes, he draws you closer and closer and closer to him. And then the whole time is the world, the flesh and the devil, or especially the devil who comes to kill, steal and destroy, comes and tries to draw you back away back into the, the the cares of this world but the whole time jesus is there because all of us like sheep have wandered and he's always there to scoop us up clean us up restore us to our rightful place back to the family all right verse 52 thank god my salvation is not up to me that's all i can say Yes, anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, there's a whole group of people. A lot of folks just threw them off because they're like, hold on, is Jesus claiming to be a, like promoting cannibalism? Yeah, I can go read all the commentaries about that. No. Jesus is spirit. And when he talked about, once again, go back to John chapter 4, he said, I'm raising up, a, there will be a day when I'm raising up true worshipers who worship me in spirit and in truth. And so... Yes, eating, 
eating his flesh and drinking his blood is symbolic. That's why we take communion of when Jesus, he didn't, yeah, he's getting ready to die on the cross. And a lot of this stuff is kind of like, sometimes as I'm talking through this, I'm like, man, if I wasn't a Christian, this stuff would sound really weird and very confusing and just go over my head. Honestly, I feel like as you just go through life and you spend more time in God's word, you spend more time just like praying. And asking. like, if you have any questions, like you just say, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense at all. This is weird. I don't know about all this stuff. Like, what are you talking about? I promise you, he will reveal it to you. Even right now, as I'm talking through this, I'm like, man, this probably is going over somebody's head. I don't even know if I fully understand or be- I don't want to say believe, but fully grasp the, the brevity or the, the depth of which this verse 53 to 58 is saying but I will say this at the end of the day what did Jesus do he died on the cross right so that we could live eternally when you become a Christian and he talks about take up your cross and follow me you're going to be persecuted just like he did now some of us will be martyrs and actually experience a martyr's type death. Pray to God that doesn't happen to me. But the older I get, the more I'm coming to grips with that that could happen in my lifetime. Um, that could be a day where they come up with some mandate and say, if you can only to be a Christian or go to church, we'll shoot you in the head or whatever. It could happen. Um, I personally believe in the rapture will happen before that. That's a whole nother discussion. But the main thing, what am I trying to say here? Is... There is a there is a weight, a weightiness that comes with being a Christian. There is a like when Jesus said, Lord, is there if there's any way for you to take this cup from me, please do it. And that it was that cup of knowing that, yeah, that death that he was about to experience. Being hung on that cross to being tortured. Now, many of us may not actually experience that type of death. Many of us won't. Um, Not exactly. Nobody's going to experience the way exactly Jesus did. But spiritually, the attacks that come at us and all the torment that Jesus dealt with the night before he was crucified and everything leading up to the crucifixion and why he was on the cross. I can't say I've experienced the same level of torment, but I have come close in a lot of ways. Where it's just these nagging lies of the enemy trying to tell me that I'm like God doesn't love me, Jesus left me, um, you know, in hell and, and that I've lost my salvation. All of these just lies a lot. Every time I've sinned or I've you know, I've say something wrong just constantly accusing me of this this and this that's what the devil is he's an accuser he comes to kill steal and destroy it comes to me in my dreams sometimes um and i i had i just told my friend about some of the things i was dealing with and she was just encouraging me just like she dealt with some similar stuff she just said she had to yell yell out loud um 
some of the spiritual warfare she had to do just yell at the enemy and say you can't have my soul I will never sell my soul to you Jesus Christ is you know my is 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 my savior you just got to keep and find some scriptures this quote you know quote you can quote this right here Where is it? No one, Lord, your word says that no one can come to you unless the Father who sent you draws them to you. Thank you. You said on the last day, thank you, Lord, for drawing me to you, Lord. On the last day, you will raise me up. Thank you, Lord, that I've been taught by you, God. Thank you, Lord, for giving me ears to listen to you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me. I'm going to do that other. Where is it? Where did I have it? The Amplified. Thank you, Jesus. Where is it? Thank you, Jesus, for... Amplified. Boom. Where's Amplified? Amplified. I just had it. Thank you, Lord, for empowering me to believe, to adhere to you, to trust in you, to rely on you, and to have faith in you. Thank you, Lord, because of that, I have eternal life. Not because of what I've done. Not because of my good works. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray, yeah. And just praying on, meditating, Lord. Put on some, some, some really solid scriptural songs that, yeah, like this one song I've been playing a lot by uh, Brandon Lake. I've been playing on repeat. Greater still. This is a good one. I played it for that lady that was in my car. Clear to steal lyrics. You met me at my lowest moment. You saw me at my very worst. When I expected disappointment, love was all I heard. My sin was deep. Your grace was deeper. My shame was wide. Your arms were wider. And my guilt was great. Your love was greater still. You ran to me when I was naked and clothed me in your righteousness. And you pulled me from the depths of darkness into your light again. My sin was deep. Your grace was deeper. My shame was wide. Your arms were wider. My guilt was great. Your love was greater still. And then I love it because it goes, he goes, how deep, how wide, how far, how high. The love of my Savior, the love of Christ. Yes. Yes, it's a great song, great song. Because the devil will constantly come in and lie to you, make you feel like you're damaged goods. So you just, yeah, I always say you can't be unadopted. In other, yeah, your earthly adopted parents may try to unadopt you, but Jesus will never unadopt you. Once you're in, you're in, buddy.
There's no turning back. There's no looking back. Many disciples desert Jesus. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Now it sounds like I'm about to contradict everything. It's worried about to contradict everything I just said. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think of? Think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Let me say that again. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Not your baptism. Not the number of times you went to church on Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Human effort accomplishes nothing. My, insert your name there. My, Aaron J. Yancey's human efforts accomplish nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Mm. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And that is one of the hardest parts to read because like, sometimes you're like, hmm. You can be looking around like, okay. Um, and look at the way some certain people act and be like, oh, I don't know. Are they really his disciple? Were they really given to God? Who's going to betray him? We already know about Judas, but who else betrayed him? Is there still an opportunity for them to still be redeemed? Was there an opportunity? Did Judas, was he redeemed at all? Questions. I have lots of questions when I read that kind of stuff. And what predestination, how does that all work? Why does God determine certain, predetermine that certain people are going to betray him or not believe and go to hell and other people are going to never betray him and accept him and believe him and go to heaven? Once again, just you wrestle with God on that on your own. Focus on your own relationship. Try not to worry about other people too much. Um, and I encourage y'all to find the scriptures that that confirm your assurance of salvation more than the ones that I don't know. It's sometimes good to read the ones. Honestly, I feel like the ones that kind of make you doubt. Or make you wonder if you can lose your salvation. They just keep you on your toes so you don't try to cheapen God's grace. And just be out here living your own life and doing whatever you want to do. And living like a wild, reckless Christian. Anyway. Alright, where was I? They kind of, yeah, they keep you in line. That fear of God. That reverence for him. Uh... But once again, our human effort accomplishes nothing. The spirit alone gives eternal life. All right. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Now, I really wonder what happened to those people that turned away and deserted him. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. 
Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon, as carried one of the twelve who would later betray him. So, just final thoughts on that blast party. It's like, hmm. The very one that spoke up is the one who later on, yeah, Simon Peter, he said, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. But this is the same dude that later on to say he don't know Jesus. Denied him three times. What's the difference between Peter, who denies him later, and then these people who deserted him then? Or it's interesting because both Judas and Peter weep bitterly after their failures. What's the difference between the two? What makes those two different? I guess the life that Peter lived afterward and the word that was spoken to Peter a long time ago, he said on this, he changed him from Simon to Peter, Cephas, rock, because on this rock, I'll build my church. I'm the, you're going to be the foundation of the church, Peter. Um, this is hard for me to read some certain things is as I read through the Bible it causes me to tremble sometimes and wonder like like one of them disciples said like who this is hard who can be saved God is like Jesus is like yes with man this is impossible with Jesus thought with me all things are possible Heavenly Father thank you for your word thank you Lord for those that are going to listen to this recording later on whether on YouTube or on the podcast, pray in the name of Jesus, God, that at the end of the day, where is it? Yes, Romans Road. There we go. No word says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. You also say in Romans 6.23, for the wages of the cost of our sin are, are um, veering off the path of our, our, um, our poor choices, Lord. Our disobedience, Lord, even whether we knew all of our sins we know about and all the sins we don't know about. For the cost of those sins, and yes, you said by one man sin entered the world, Adam. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit when they disobeyed you and their eyes were open to the knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, from, yeah, we're all born from that same seed born into a sinful nature i don't have to tell our kids i don't have to tell them about lying or stealing they just do it they just do it and they they also they need to be born again they have yeah they've given their life to christ thank you for my children that that the every day that they wouldn't just they wouldn't salvation wouldn't just be a one-time thing also for those listening that salvation wouldn't just be a one-time thing but it'd be an ongoing daily thing lord realizing that we recognize that we need it daily and our human efforts accomplish nothing it's the spirit of god that gives eternal life just like it says romans six twenty three. for the wages of the cost of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord romans 5 8 says but god commendeth or demonstrated or showed he's from the show me state. i believe you're from the show me state god you showed your love toward us and that while we were still yet sinners jesus christ died for us you came from heaven to earth just like the man of lord you came from heaven to earth and died for us so that we could experience salvation. Romans ten nine says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with our hearts, we believe we are now in right standing with you. And with our mouths, we confess that we are indeed saved, not probably saved, not possibly saved. But there's a we know that we know that we know, even though there's doubts that creep in our head and the devil tries to come and our our past tries to come and haunt us and tell us, oh, I remember when you did such and such. Oh, that that one right there. And you backslid a little too far, homie. That's that's unredeemable. No. We are saved because you are the one who does the save. And then Romans ten thirteen says, For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's anybody, everybody. This goes for anybody listening. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. So you can simply say this prayer. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life. I can now have the faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, give me water. I know Jesus gave me water. Jesus gave me water. It was not from the well. Singing Jesus gave me.